Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. How do you know that God loves you? And what is the proof that His love is alive in you? In this week's episode, Pastor Francis Chan reminds us that the evidence of God's Spirit in our lives is fruit. The outer works that reveal the Father's love overflowing to those in need around us. When we become doers of His Word and not just hearers, we will find true joy. This message was taken from Forerunner Christian Church on June 12, 2021. It's good to be back. I feel like last Saturday was very special in this room. Last week, remember, we talked about Revelation 3 and the lukewarm church. And it was such a blessing to see so many get on their knees and tell God, we want to be on fire for you. And I was so moved as you were here, just repenting of your sin and asking God to cleanse you. I guess my question is, is what changed this week? There was this famous evangelist named George Whitfield. He led thousands of people to Jesus. But the story is told that one time someone asked, how did the, the crusade go? How did the outreach go? And his answer was, we'll find out in six months. Because his point was, if something really happened, there would be lasting fruit. A lot of times in America, we measure success by our feelings. We say that service was good because I left feeling good. Or God was pleased with that gathering because we left and we were convicted. But remember, it's about the results. See, because a a person can make you feel good, but only the Holy Spirit can bring lasting change into your life. It's when something really happens in your inner person that you actually change. Remember last week we talked about how in 2 Peter it says like a, a pig that's washed off, he'll run back to the mud because his nature has not changed. So maybe last week you felt like you were cleaned off, but this week did you run back to the mud or was it really God who did something inside of you? When the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it talks about real fruit. I am so grateful um, that this church has been focused on the inner life because we don't want to just do a bunch of external things. It has to come from a deep place inside. It's like that song we just sang. We're like, God, draw me close to you and never let me go. I love those words. As we're singing that, I'm begging God, please, yes, God, hold me close to you because you're all I want. See, that comes from inside. So I love that we're focused on the inner life. But I will say that if the inner life is right, there will be outer works. The Bible shows that, that, that there are measurable, tangible, concrete things that should be seen in our lives if the inner life is right. You know, a lot of times people will say that they love someone because they feel something for them. 
But the Bible goes further than that. The Bible says if there's actual love, there will be action. In 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, he says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Like right now, how do you know that God loves you? Is it because you feel something inside? I'm not, I'm not saying feelings are not important. I think they are. But God says you can know that I love you because I laid down my life for you. He goes, this is how we know that he loved us. He, he gave his son for us. I mean, if, if I saw you in the parking lot and, and you're standing next to my son and a car is coming and I choose to save you instead of my son... You would go, why did you do that for me? There would be this act of love. And God says, I'm showing you what love is. He goes, this is how we know what love is. It says he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. That's why he says if if someone uh, has money or the world's goods and he sees someone in need and does anything, he goes, that's not the love of the Father, because it's our Father that has a heart for those who are suffering. Our God rescued us. That, that's who He is. He's a good, good Father. He's a Savior. He saw us in our sin, and He saved us. And then He says He put His Spirit in us. So if we have the Father's love abiding in us, we will save others. That's why he says if you have possessions and someone is in need and you don't help them, how could he be abiding in you? If there's a strong inner life, people will see that you become more and more like the Father. The Bible says uh, in verse 18, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So as a church, we don't want to be people who just talk. We don't want to measure our success by, wow, a lot of people came to hear a person talk. See, a lot of times we measure success by the number of people in the room. And I'll admit, I love when a room is full. You know, I can't wait for all the quarantine stuff to be done. And let's imagine if there were a thousand people in this room dancing and singing, and then we're listening to the Word of God, most of us would get excited and feel like that was successful. But the Bible says, no, it's about what you do. It's not just about word and talk, but actions. You know, there's a, there's a common thread throughout Scripture. You remember last week when we talked about the lukewarm church and how they didn't realize that they were lukewarm? Just like in Matthew 7, we talked about that, how people are going to come before Jesus and not know that they were going to be rejected by him. Remember when I preached out of Malachi chapter 1 several weeks ago, and the people were surprised when God said, you defiled my altar. The people didn't know that they were doing wrong. 
A lot of times we, we don't measure success the same way that God does. There's a passage in Isaiah chapter 58, starting in verse 5. He says, Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed or to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of the wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house, and when you see the naked, to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. Again, you see this theme in scripture. Here's a group of people that didn't know that their fast was not pleasing to God. I mean, imagine fasting is hard. To go on a long fast is so difficult. And it seemed like these people were were weeping and and fasting before God. And God says, you're going to call that a fast? Just because you're not eating? Just because you're weeping? He goes, here's the fast that I want to see. He goes, I want you to loose the bonds of wickedness. I want you to share your bread with the hungry. I want you to bring the homeless poor into your house. See, God was about action. He says, I want you to care for these people. I love verse 9. He says, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Don't you love it when God answers your prayers? I think those are some of my favorite moments in my whole life. When I pray for something so specific, and then he answers it so quickly and so amazingly. There have been times when I've literally trembled, like I'm shaking, going, wow, he really answered me so clearly. It's just like verse 9 says. I asked for something, I talked to him, he goes, here I am. That's, <laughs> what more could you want? Than to pray, and the moment you open your mouth, God Himself says, Here I am. See, He says, It's when you share with the poor, when you clothe the naked. He goes, Then you can pray to me, and I'll answer you. I want us to look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22, is such an important verse. He says, But be Doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. 
For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. So he says we have to be careful that we don't deceive ourselves. Like the people in Revelation were deceived. The people in Isaiah 58, they were deceived. The group in Matthew 7, they were deceived. They all thought they were doing well. And here in James 1, he says, don't deceive yourselves by being a hearer of the word, but not a doer. The world is filled with people who have a lot of Bible knowledge. They have a lot of information about God. And we can start to feel pretty good about ourselves if we have a lot of Bible knowledge. And the Bible says, don't deceive yourselves like that. In verse 26, he says, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained by the world. God says, here's religion that I love. Now, I believe when we were singing earlier, I believe God was pleased with that. I could be wrong, but I I think many of us were singing from our souls and that he was pleased. But here he says, well, here's let me tell you what I know God is pleased with. His religion that is pure and undefiled before God is when we care for the widows and orphans. This is so clear. He says, let's not just be people who hear the word and we sing songs, but we don't care for the poor. Right now in the world, they say, uh, the United Nations say there's 153 million orphans. Those are, they define orphans by the ones that have lost their, their fathers. There are 15 million children who have lost both their father and mother. I hope that stirs your inner person. I hope that's not just a number to you, but that the spirit is... It gives you a concern for these children because the Spirit lives in you. Right now, just in the United States, there are over 400,000 children in, in the foster care system. In our own country, there's over, over 100,000 orphans that no one wants. They're just waiting for someone to adopt them. Right here in Alameda County, there are over a thousand children that no one wants. So it's hard to be here and just sing with the same people every week without doing something. I want to tell you a story of of my old church in Southern California. I shared some of these statistics with them. And the people in our church began to become foster parents. I had one couple in my church. They were in their 60s. He was a mechanic and she was a hairdresser. 60 years old. 
And they took James 1 so seriously. That year, they adopted 10 children out of the foster system. They, they moved to Northern California so they could get a bigger place so they could take in more children because they read the word of God. And they said, we need to do something about this. I remember when our church was going to do a big building program. We had a sanctuary that was about this size. And so we did four services every weekend. And still there were people in the lobby, people in the overflow rooms. And so the elders were like, we, we can't reach any more people because there's no room. So we decided to build a bigger sanctuary. But, I, you know, when you, when you try to do a building project, uh, the, the city makes you do like a public hearing. So they open up the mic and let, let people just share what they think about the building project. And some stranger walked up to the stage and he just started slandering me. He was telling the government how terrible our church was. He said, we will do nothing good for the city. We're just going to ruin the environment by having so many people come on that street. He said so many terrible things about me. But then when he sat down, one of the government officials came up and he says, he goes, I don't know Pastor Francis Chan, but I'm in charge of all of the, the foster kids in Ventura County. He goes, and most churches won't even let me in the door to talk about it. Cornerstone Church, they didn't just let me in. They started adopting our children. He goes, in fact, we stopped doing training in the government offices and we moved all of the training to Cornerstone Church. He goes, we have never had more than 10 or 12 people come to our foster care training. He goes, our last training at Cornerstone had 150 people. So I want to publicly disagree with that man and tell you I love Cornerstone Church. As a pastor sitting there, I just wanted to cry. I was so proud of our church because they didn't just talk. It got to the point where Ventura County was running out of orphans. <laughs> Some of the people in my church were frustrated because they went through all the foster care training and there were no kids left. I go, that is a great problem to have. I tell you, it was such an exciting time in the life of our church. I want to share a, uh, I want to share a picture with you. I want to show you a picture of one of my friends. Uh, this is a friend of mine. Her name is Sophie. Uh, she lives in Ethiopia, and I just love this little girl. Okay, this was uh, maybe about a year or so ago. I was... Uh, chasing her around, we were playing tag. But I met Sophie about five years ago. And I wanna show you a picture of her when I met her. They told me she's not going to live. She had one of those distended stomachs 
And they explain that that means her stomach has been starving so long it begins to eat the other organs in her. And they said, well, you can pray for her, but she'll probably die this week because we got here too late. But you can pray for a miracle. And I just remember praying, going, God, please keep her alive so that she can do what she was created for, so that one day she can use her mouth to worship you. By the grace of God, Sophie lived. And thousands of children just like Sophie. But I remember the last time when I was in Ethiopia and I saw her worshiping with her mouth. And so many kids like her worshiping God now. You guys, this is one of the greatest joys of my life. To run around and play with kids like Sophie. These commands are not to restrict our joy. It's to give us the heart of the Father. We spend our lives looking for, for kids like Sophie because we love it. We adopted a, a daughter out of the foster system because I love her. And it's a joy to be like the Father. The most beautiful church I've ever been a part of was in China. A couple years ago, I saw this church. We flew into Kunming. Then we drove for a long time. And we went up onto this hill way back in this little village. And this village was all Christian. There were about 60 families that had all fallen in love with Jesus. And so they began to adopt the special needs kids in that area. They began to take all of the special needs kids out of the orphanages. And those 60 couples had adopted 150 special needs kids. My daughter, Mercy, and I spent the night at, at that village and were watching all of these kids running around. Many of them had to be carried by their parents. And I thought, wow, these people never get a break. These children need their full-time attention. And to think that every family adopted two to three of these kids. I kept thinking, God must be so pleased with this church. I never went to a worship service there. Their lives were a worship service. My prayer for Forerunner Church is that God would increase our heart for the poor. That we would set an example in caring for the orphans and widows right here in Alameda County. Even this week, I, I, I went to uh, Modesto to, to see one of the group homes where there were um, a bunch of uh, pregnant uh, mothers um, who were um, from other countries and had nowhere to go. So these pregnant mothers were all teenagers, and they were all orphans. I, I just said, what can I do? I, I said, tell me what I can do. If, if they want to come home with me, I'll, 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 be their, I'll, be their, I'll be their dad. Because that's a joy. You know, I, I want to close with Psalm 68. 
verses 5 and 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Then a great name for our God. Our God is the father of the fatherless. See, most of you know that uh, my parents died when I was very young. And there were people in the church that took me into their home. And they became a family to me. And I often think, what would have happened to me if the church didn't care? But that verse says he, he takes the lonely and he, he puts them in a home. That's what God does. That's what he did for me. And even as we were singing, I was just saying, God, I, I want to be more like you. I want to make sure you understand I'm not telling you just to do things. What I'm saying is we want to become more like God. I believe many of you are here in this room because you want to become more like Jesus. You want to become more like your creator. But our creator's name is Father of the Fatherless. I don't have an exact action for you to to do today. Sometimes when I give a talk like this, I'll give you opportunity to, to, you know, care for a kid overseas. Or sometimes I'll bring a foster care agency into the lobby and they can help you if you really want to care for the orphans. But today I just wanted you to focus on your own heart. I want you to see, is, is this your desire? Because I know this church is filled with intelligent people and you'd have no problem going online and finding out how to become a foster parent. My prayer is just that we become a church and a bunch of individuals who care. I encourage you to spend some time alone with God to see what he calls you to do. And maybe tonight you have discussions with your family and say, what do you guys think God wants us to do? I can guarantee you he wants you to do something and not just be a hearer of the word, but to become a doer of his word. I'm telling you, this is what will bring true joy into your life. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks. Thanks.